Father. Thank you. For giving us another day. May we not take life for granted. May we not take being able to meet in a church building, not worried about some soldiers or governmental officials uh, coming in and shooting us up or shutting us down, not meeting in some secret house church, but we get to yell and scream if we want to. Thank you that we're not meeting under some big tree like I've seen churches in Africa do because they don't have a building. May we not be too sedity, too pompous, too decorum-driven to open up our big old mouths and shout to you. You're so good. So for me, I want now to glorify you. I understand that that means I must decrease. You must increase. So Holy Spirit, do what I can't do. Sounds like a great idea for you to have your way. That's what I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So I'm not going to preach today. Uh, James preached. So we're going to take up three more offerings, and then we're out. Because we got to have a building fine. Anybody grow up in that church where you had to build and farm? We never had a building, but we had a building farm. Uh, feeling blessed or feeling stressed? Where are you at on the spectrum? Feelings of blessing or feelings of stressing. Let's be honest, too. One of them lines I never noticed, it said, I've never been more glad. I was like, I don't know if I'm there yet, being glad when hell comes. Be careful when you sing a lie. Now, I'm not saying y'all are. I'm just talking about me. I ain't glad yet. I like it to go smooth. Am I the only one? Let's just be honest. Feeling blessed or feeling stressed, sometimes I miss my obvious blessings because I'm more concerned with focusing on my minuscule stressing. When life gets tough, we do have a choice. We do have a choice. We can, we can make the choice. The goal is to have not merely a hallelujah, but a hallelujah mindset in the midst of hellacious milieus. Why? You're going to have your hell. If you live one minute, if you only live a minute, that minute, the fact that you only lived a minute was filled with hell. <laughs> you died in a minute. You're going to have your hell. No choice in the matter. You can choose to have a hallelujah. So, choice making, decision making, is what this series is about. It's what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 as we look at this guy by the name of Paul. We're looking today at Paul's list. Paul has a list in the text. Anybody here keep lists? 
Anybody? Maybe, maybe you're like my wife. Maybe you have a list of things you pray for. Maybe you have a list of people you pray for. Maybe you're like my wife again with this fancy sheet. You have like a grocery list. Uh, maybe you have a list of people, I don't know, that owe you money. Uh, maybe, maybe you have a list of people that have stabbed you in the back. You don't literally have it, but you know it by the way you treat them. <laughs> okay, I love church people, but I don't treat anybody. Yeah, we, we have that list. Paul had a list. He had a list, and uh, it's the second half of chapter 11, where that list, we see it. It's a list of hardships. It's a list of trials and tribulations, but he makes a choice to not quit, to keep serving God. First thing we're going to do is look at the what on the list, the what on the list. Paul, 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 Paul takes his list out and he asks a question in verse 23, and I'm going to give you context later, so don't sleep yet. He says, are they ministers of Christ? We don't know who he's talking about yet, I'll tell you later. Are they ministers of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. Then he goes ahead and he pulls out his list, Greg. He pulls out his list. He says, I'm a better one. That's the first thing on my list. With far greater labors. That, that, that's on my list. I got some works on my list. Far more imprisonments with countless floggings. <laughs> Often near death. Five times I've received from the Jews... Forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. He ain't talking about smoking weed. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys he says danger eight times, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters. <laughs> that one got me for some reason. False people that, you know, they, they meet you after church smiling, but they false as a $17 bill. <laughs> and it's bad when you get comfortable being false. And toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. My favorite verse, besides other things, I'm under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. I love the church. I love the sheep. I, I love people sometimes who don't even love me back. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I'm not indignant? In other words, when the church people hurt, when they go through hell, we're inextricably intertwined. I feel what they feel. In Damascus, the governor and the king, Aratus, guarded the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket. This is all on my list. Through a window in the wall, kind of like little John, <laughs> and escaped from his hands. Y'all see his list? Paul's list. Uh, is a list of occupational hazards. 
we see on his list vocational violence. Vocational violence. So what then was his vocation? Can I tell you? Christ. <laughs> Spreading Christ. That was it, Eric. Preaching Christ. <laughs> Preaching Jesus. Writing about the Messiah. Writing about the Anointed One. Planting churches that were built on Jesus. Letting people know Jesus fulfills the law. You ain't got to walk in the law. You ain't got to tap dance. You ain't got to uh, die on no cross. He's already done it. Jesus was his vocation. So that tells me one thing, because this whole list, trials and tribulations, suffering, it tells me suffering isn't necessarily an indicator of failure. Suffering isn't necessarily an indicator that you're doing anything wrong. Suffering isn't necessarily an indicator that you're living in sin. You finna snap some pictures? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, get me. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I figured if you're gonna get up in the middle of that line, <laughs> thank you, for real. <laughs> hey, how would you feel? Because we read this stuff. How would you feel if you knew? You were serving God, and he still let the hell come. How would you feel if you knew you were diligently walking out his will, and he didn't stop the trials? He didn't stop the tribulations. When I read this text, I wonder, did Paul ever get mad at God? I, I, I wonder, did he ever cry uh, tears of frustration? Have you ever cried because you were really mad, not because you were sad? I wonder if he ever cried tears of frustration and consternation. Here's what I wonder as a preacher myself. Did he ever feel like quitting? You don't want to talk to me on any Sunday evening. You don't want to talk to me on any Monday morning. Maybe I'm being too transparent because every Sunday evening, oh, it's time for me to retire. Real talk. Every Monday morning, it feels like this ain't worth it. I can't help but wonder. I ain't have it nearly this bad. You ain't finna strike me 39 times. When you get to number three, <laughs> anybody in the room ever had vocation frustration? Notice I didn't say career frustration. I, 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 didn't, say, I didn't say occupational frustration. Y'all know there's a difference between vocation and career. Vocation is your calling. Uh, what do you do when consternation stems from your calling? It's quiet. Tuesday or Wednesday, I was studying. You call? It's okay. I was studying, and I started reflecting on when I was a teenager. I'm 53 years old now. I'll be 54 uh, September 23rd. That's my birthday, September 23rd. I don't see anybody writing. <laughs> it's okay. Y'all got it now. But I, I, I thought around Tuesday or Wednesday, y'all do know I haven't always been a preacher. I thought back to my teenage years, and there was one season in particular where I was involved in something that was dangerous. Uh, 
I, I, I did some stuff that could have got me hurt. If I can be honest with you, could have got me killed. Uh, I knew I was wrong, and I was sneaky with it. And all I could do Tuesday or Wednesday when I thought about it, at almost 54, which I'll be on September 23rd, I couldn't help but think, when I look back at that season, I survived. <laughs> I survived. And then God corrected me. He said, no, I sustained you. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference. Yesterday, we were at men's ministry at the breakfast. One of the guys said, he stood right here. He gave his testimony, and he made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. He said, God kept me. God kept me. God kept me. That, that, that's, what, that's what Paul's list proved. Write this down. Your list of hardships should be used as tools to testify, not that you survived, but that you were sustained. Does anybody in the room have a list of what's? Anybody in the room, you got a list of what's that God kept you in the midst of your what's. Uh, in my list, I have not been shipwrecked, uh, I, but somebody can say I have been on drugs. I ain't, I, I've never been shipwrecked, but I did used to smoke uh, crack, and God sustained me. I haven't been stoned. I haven't been flogged, uh, but I have been sexually abused. Somebody in the room can say it's still through the sexual abuse. God sustained me. I haven't been beaten with rods or flogged. I have been lied on. I have been cheated on. I, I have been stabbed in the back. I have had seasons where I could not pay my bills. I have had a doctor stand up and give me a report that made me shake, but through all the hell, God sustained me? <laughs> the things I've been through didn't kill me because God kept me. Never would have made it without you. Somebody ought to say, God, it was you that sustained me. <laughs> so a hallelujah mindset I'm not trying to make light of abuse, but a hallelujah mindset says the abuse is not my excuse, it's my evidence. It's my evidence. Paul's list is evidence. It's evidence. The hell you've been through is evidence that you survived, that you were sustained. You ought to think about the what on your list. Some of you had a daddy walk out on you. You didn't even know him, but here you are in church today. Some of you had a spouse punch you in the face. Had a lady recently told me she didn't know if she was going to make it when her boyfriend was choking her. Recently. Didn't know if she was going to live. He put her in the hospital recently. She's alive today. You ought to think about the what. I know we are church and we look good, don't we? Some folks been in some hell in this room. And I don't want to pastor a church where we're too cute. Nah, nah, we ought to praise God. The what on your list, on his list, was his hardships, but the why of his list is the context. I, I, I'm just going, I told my wife, really, the verses are preaching this week. The why of his list, can I tell you the why? The reason Paul wrote this section of the letter uh, is false apostles. That's the why. Uh, I got to do something about these false apostles now starting to infiltrate the church that I planted. People are starting to listen to them. Isn't that crazy? Somebody can tell you, uh, 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 you, you, you that somebody can come in and preach a prosperity gospel, and folks get happy. And, 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 and the same folks... If, if I tell them Jesus died on the cross for them, they ain't got nothing to say. But if I tell them he got a Cadillac for them, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah, the why of the list is some false apostles. It, can you imagine this? It's some fake preachers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Verse 1, here's the context. I wish you would put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, you you do put up with me. I, I feel a divine jealousy for you, for I promised you in marriage to one husband to present you as a chaste virgin to whom? Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by its cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to whom? Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims, listen to this, another Jesus, another one, than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. I think that I'm not in the least inferior to these super apostles. I got to stop here. I ain't trying to accuse Paul. Paul is a better boy than I am, but it seems to me uh, he's a little bit passive-aggressive. Uh, now, I'm going to fix it up, and let's just call him, he's prophetically passive-aggressive. That sounds churchy. He's, he's spiritually sarcastic. He's, he's, he's prophetically psychological because he's calling them super apostles. He's talking about false, false apostles. He's being funny. Because he's mad. Because y'all don't listen to these jokers. I'm going to give them a title. I'm going to be facetious. I'm going to make my point. That's how my daddy raised me. He always made a point by going around. I'd be like, Daddy, where you going? Because he knew that's how I listen. Paul, Paul says, even if I'm untrained in speech, apparently these false apostles have been saying, he writes good letters, but he ain't such a good preacher. Paul's like, that don't even matter. If I'm untrained in speech, I certainly ain't untrained in respect to knowledge. Certainly in every way and in all things, we made this evident to you. Did I commit a sin by humbling myself? He's being facetious. He's saying, y'all put up with people that ain't even humble. I've been humble. So that you might be exalted because I proclaim God's good news to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve y'all jokers. And when I was with you and was in need, I didn't burden anyone for my needs were supplied by the brothers who came from Macedonia. So I refrain and will continue to refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boast of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. And what I do, I will also continue to do in order to deny any opportunity, an opportunity to those who want an opportunity to be recognized as our equals in what they boast about. These false apostles were boasting, man, and these people are listening to them. For such bolsters, by the way, now he say it's time now to stop being passive aggressive. I'm going to stop beating around the bush. I'm going to call it what it is. He says in verse 13, such bolsters are false apostles. They're deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder he goes there. He says, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That one sent chills through me because I wonder how many of the sins I committed back in the day was I just dancing with Satan. I wonder how many times have I been in a club slow dancing. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me, boy. Ah, <laughs> uh, smelt good, but Satan. Okay, y'all don't hear me slow dancing uh, 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 to silk. Uh, let me take your hand down, but Satan behind it. Till you say stop. Satan behind it. When I read, y'all do know Satan is real? And y'all do know he ain't finna walk up in your house with a pitchfork and no dog gun tail. Y'all do know that, right? Y'all do know that he has ministers? So sometimes if it feel good, 
you might want to ask, where does the ceiling come from? Because Satan can make it feel good. It feels good to tell somebody off, cuss somebody out. Don't it? You ever cut anybody? Anybody ever had that cussing ministry? <laughs> I see them hands. Have you ever told somebody off and you just feel good? But God ain't getting no glory. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it ain't strange if his ministers also disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness. Therein, though, will meet their, 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 their end will match their deeds. I repeat, let no one think that I'm a fool, but if you do, then accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. He's going back now to being passive-aggressive. What I'm saying in regard to this boastful undertaking, I'm saying not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. Since many boast according to human standards, I will also boast. Let me clear my throat. For you gladly put up with fools, being wise yourselves. He's being sarcastic again. He said, y'all wise, he don't mean that. Y'all listening to these false, y'all think y'all know anything. Sounds like my mama. You think you know better. Go out. And one time I was mad at my mama. She said, leave. <laughs> I went to leave. I went and un I, I, I turned the knobs and I was like, I ain't got no food. I had a place to go. That's what, this is what Paul is saying. Y'all ain't really wise. Verse 19, for you gladly put up with fools being wise yourselves, for you put up with it when someone makes slaves of you or preys upon you or takes advantage of you or, or, or puts on airs or gives you a slap in the face. To my shame, he's been facetious again. I must say, we were too weak for that. We loved y'all. Y'all didn't appreciate us. <laughs> uh, but whatever anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also declare, uh, uh, I also dare to boast of that. He says, listen to this. He said, are they Hebrews? Don't gun it. So am I. <laughs> are they Israelites? Shucks. So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? I is too. Are they ministers of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, blessed be he forever, <laughs> knows that I do not lie. All of this is the why of Paul's list. All of it is. It's the why of his list. It's a testimony. Paul's list, y'all hear me, is a testimony. Here's the thing, though. It's not a churchy testimony. Oh, I want to thank God for my early rising this morning. I, I want to thank God that the bed I slept on wasn't my cooling board. I, I want to thank God that God is good all the time. And all, no, it wasn't that kind of testimony. It wasn't a church testimony. It was a courtroom testimony. Y'all hear me? Paul was Johnny Cochran in it. Paul was on the defense stand, listen to me, defending himself to a church that he planted. Do y'all see how humble he was? Man, if you a mama in the grocery store, and you pushing little Junior around, and little Junior's throwing a temper tantrum, and you give him an excursus, a thesis, on why he can't have chocolate. <laughs> uh, little Junior, you had chocolate this morning. Uh, you can't have another Mountain Dew. You had your 13 grams of caffeine. Uh, what the heck is you doing? Do like my mama did. Take that thing twist. You ain't got to say anything. Do this with your eyes. Do it. It works. It works. Cross them. Paul 
is on defense. He's on the witness stand, Brian, testifying to some people who are his spiritual children. So if I'm going to be a defense attorney, Paul's mindset is I got to have a good defense strategy. So what's his strategy? I'm going to boast. By the way, Paul thought boasting was foolish. So, so he left his normal way of thinking. He said, I'm going to speak the language they understand. They like folks that boast. They like they pastor to have a nice car. <laughs> They like they pass it a ball with a, with, a, with, a, with a big old house. That way they can go out and tell their friends, my pastor is the bishop, apostle, doctor. Uh, no, 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 no. So I'm going to speak their language. I'm going to speak their language. I had somebody tell me one time they get sad every time they see me walk to my little car. Well, if that makes you sad, you don't get what I've been preaching all these years. And if it make you that sad, hook me up. That ain't hard. That ain't hard. I'll take it. Y'all know what I want. I want a Jeep. A white Jeep. I'll get my own dice. What's the why? What's the why, Eric? Paul is testifying Defending his apostleship. He's got to defend if he's really an apostle. He's testifying because some false apostles have moved in like the serpent moved in. He says it. He's testifying now because people are starting to preach another Jesus. He's testifying now because people are starting to believe in a different spirit, a different gospel. They're starting to listen to people that he calls super apostles who are really false apostles. They're disguising themselves and they really work for the devil. And Paul loves the church he planted so much that he'll humble himself and defend his apostleship. He'll be that mom in the grocery store who's patient with that little bad kid. So don't, don't, don't take my advice. Don't twist their arm. Love the hell out of them. Hmm. Don't beat them down. Keep giving them the gospel. Don't have to prove that you're the big dog. Humble yourself and love the hell out of them. Yes, you're right. They're wrong. Who cares? You just right this time. Paul planted the church, he served them, he loved them, now he's testifying, having to prove he's a real apostle. Why? Because of some fake apostles. When I was a newlywed, moved my wife to the best apartment in town, which ain't saying a lot where we lived. Her sister wasn't happy that we lived in the city. We lived, it was a dangerous city. I said, the compromise will be, we'll get a pretty good apartment. Directly behind our apartment was another complex that was off the chain. It was off the chain. They were always partying, always doing something. I'd have to go over there and get my wife. She'd be at all the parties. <laughs> like, stop it, honey, come home. And every Saturday morning, we were newlyweds. My wife would get up really early to go grocery shopping. Didn't make sense to me. She'd get up early to go grocery shopping. This particular Saturday morning, she was gone. It was early. I hear noise at the apartment behind me. I'm like, man, 7 o'clock. And I peer through the blinds. I see a man and a woman arguing. Don't look good. And I'm watching. And all the lady is trying to do is get away from the man. Wherever she turns, he, he, he cuts her off. He's mad, really angry at her. And I'm watching it through the blinds. She just wants to get away. He won't let her get away. He gets angrier and angrier. And then she starts running from him out of my sight. And then I hear the worst scream I've ever heard. And immediately I call the cops. I take a shower. I go off to my day. Uh, which I had some appointments in, I go to a friend's house. Later that day, my wife called me and said, the cops were here looking for you. 
The apartment building behind us is taped off. Long story short, that lady got murdered. Um, they wanted me to come to the police station. I saw her dad crying. I didn't know this lady. They showed me pictures of her. Uh, she had been stabbed with the butcher knife. They showed me the butcher knife. Uh, she's lying in a puddle of blood, dead. I got to identify her since I made the 911 call. And eventually, lawyers contacted me wanting me to testify. Somebody that knew the man says, you don't want to testify, Keith. You don't want to testify. It was an easy choice for me. I'm going to testify. I remember what I wore to trial. I had on a navy blue pinstripe because I wanted to look a certain way. I got up on that stand, and the dude's attorney made me feel like I was on trial. And I'm thinking, hold up. <laughs> he had me stuttering. He had me questioning myself. And, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, I shouldn't be the one on trial. All I've done was try to be a good citizen. All I've done was tell the truth. All I've done was stand up for justice. Paul now has to defend whether he's a fool or not. Paul shouldn't have to be on trial. The people that's working for Satan should have to be on trial. Paul is now having to say he's a fool. He, he's, he's, he, even though these people put up with fools, they put up with false apostles, uh, they, they're putting up with people that's making them religious slaves, people that's preying upon them, people that's taking advantage of them, apparently maybe even slapping them in the face. Paul is now having to say, I'm a Hebrew. Paul is now having to say, I'm a descendant of Abraham. I, I'm, I'm a minister of Christ. He now has to defend his great works and his great labors. This whole list is a defense. It's his defense to his spiritual children. May I never have to defend that I'm your daddy. Not even by blood, man, by experience. You should know I love you by now. No other joker should come in and ever lead you astray from what I've taught you. you shouldn't, man, you should never have to question me by this point. Or vice versa. We know each other. I'm venting now. But this is just like church folk. We believe bad news, man. We believe foolish, hellacious stuff. Let me get off the vent. But Paul has a why. I ain't letting false apostles take over. <laughs> That's where I'm at at this stage in my life. I'm almost 54. September 23rd, I'll be 54, <laughs> man. So when I see false preaching, I'm at a point now I want to address it. Watched the preacher one night, the whole message, he was collecting money. I felt like I was on the train in Chicago where the dude had a coconut stealing your money. So you know what I did? I called the number and, and preached Jesus. You know what happened to me and then they hung up on me. But man, I, I, we got to love the sheep enough to know Enough to say, you know what? I'm stepping in. Paul's why not wasn't just the false apostles. He didn't want sheep to be con like, like Eve was con by that snake. So, so I'm going to step in. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to kill these snakes. I'm going to call it like it is. I'm going to say they work for the devil. And his other why, this Christ that he preached. <laughs> I heard Eric I heard people talk about how good a job you did when I was gone. That ain't shocking to me. Eric, we get to preach Christ. <laughs> Do you hear me? <laughs> Y'all don't hear me. Who, hey, let me ask you a question. Who's more fortunate than we are? Every Sunday, don't I end my sermon the same? Don't I? Christ, he hung on the cross. That's what my job is. Hallelujah. Hey, 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 write this down. A good why makes it easier to testify. 
Some of y'all don't talk about Jesus because you don't know him like that. You got to get to know him. And then all of a sudden, you can't help yourself but to talk about him. Uh, I was in a hotel last week with my wife in Chicago. I'm in school. I got up at 5 o'clock to study. She was snoring. I left out of the room. <laughs> I went downstairs. Five in the morning, nobody is in there. I'm reading for school, man. A lady comes in, huge hotel lobby, all of these chairs. She sits in a chair. She realizes, I want to sit at the same table. That dude sits, an older lady. She takes her book bag. She sits across from me. We speak. I'm thinking, I don't really want you here. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but she sits down. She starts to cross-stitch. She doesn't bother me for the next three hours. I read. She cross-stitches. When she finishes, now she bothers me. <laughs> she won't stop talking. So I realize, okay, I'm supposed to close my book. I only have five more pages to go. I talk to her. I talk to her. I talk to her about God, about Jesus. She don't leave it alone. Long story short, older lady, sounds weird. I'm talking to a lady in a hotel lobby, but it's a good story. She emailed me twice this week. Twice, twice, twice. Because my why, if I'm going to sit down here and talk, we got to get to my why. I don't care if it's a Saturday morning. You interrupted me, so you in trouble. <laughs> and I don't know about you. I joke a lot. Man, I can't help but talk about him. I can't help it. Because my list is longer than this. That thing that I could have died about, it's embarrassing. What I was so if, if you're going to interrupt me, you're going to hear about Jesus. Your why should make it easier to testify. Has he ever done anything for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Last point, and your, your courtesy is nice. <laughs> the who on the list, or the who of the list, the who of the list, that's chapter 1, verse 1. This letter starts off, Paul, <laughs> an apostle. Seems like just a salutation. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Don't read that too fast. Who's the who? Paul. Mm, uh, let me say it better than that. An apostle. Uh, you talking about a super apostle? He really is. Paul, uh, let me say it this way, a big dog. He a big dog. He legit. Uh, let me say it this way, religious royalty. 2,000 years later, we still talk about him. You got churches named after him. Uh, 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 I'm talking about Paul wrote much of the New Testament. I'm talking about Paul uh, preached Jesus. I'm talking about Paul planted churches. Paul, so here's my point. I dare seven people to interrogate yourself. Ask yourself, if Paul had to deal with hardships, shoot, why shouldn't I have to deal with it? If Paul had to deal with being lied on, then what makes me think that I won't have to deal with it? If Paul was shipwrecked and Paul was put in prison, what makes me think that my life is supposed to be easy? Here's my main point. I'm late, but, but here it is. You can serve God and faithfully and still fill in the blank. You can serve God faithfully and still get shipwrecked. You can serve God faithfully and still get flogged and still be beaten with rods. You can serve God faithfully and still have your teenager get murdered. You can serve God faithfully and still have your spouse cheat on you. You can serve God faithfully and still have a doctor stand in front of you and tell you some news that shatters your world. You can serve God faithfully and still lose your house. You can serve God faithfully and still have people talk about you and lie on you. I'm talking about real discipleship. 
if Paul had to go through it. A better question is, if Jesus, if Jesus, don't I preach it every week? Y'all know I'm about to take my seat now. If Jesus stepped out <laughs> of heaven, y'all hear me? He, he was, it, do y'all, he was actually in heaven. Nobody pushed him out. It wasn't like he was in a plane. He volunteered to take on flesh. The hypostatic union, 100% man, 100% God. He still left heaven to this, came to this sin-filled earth. You know what they did? They followed him. They lied on him. They tried to trick him. If Jesus had to go through it, if Jesus had to go through being talked about, if Jesus had to go through being lied on, if Jesus had to go through, don't I talk about it every week? An unjust trial. They had an unjust trial for him. He didn't hire John. Johnny Cochran. He didn't, he didn't hire a law firm. Uh, uh, he was innocent and still let them treat him like a guilty man. If Jesus had to endure being spat upon, I don't like that one. If Jesus had to endure having his beard pulled, if Jesus had to endure being sneered and jeered at and mocked and laughed and ridiculed, Jesus. If Jesus had to endure flogging, having his skin torn open, bleeding. If Jesus had to endure, y'all know where I'm going, having his hands nailed to a cross. And, and I don't want to say it every week the way we take it for granted. Picture your hands being nailed. He ain't do nothing wrong. If Jesus had to endure having a stake driven through his feet, if Jesus had to endure while he on the cross, some joker talking smack beside him, Who's guilty? If Jesus had to endure struggling to breathe for us, for us, for us, for us, for us. I know better and I still mess up. I still sin, the preacher. I still mess up sometimes, but he knew it when he was struggling to breathe. He thought about me. If Jesus died, then don't you let your vocational consternation cause you to quit the ministry God has given you. Homework assignment. These are some questions that I've had to wrestle with this week. Question number one, is Christ worth the suffering? Don't answer this stuff too quick. This is about choice making, this whole series. You got to make a choice. Is Christ worth it? I want us to be able to really truthfully sing, I've never been more glad. Second question Is his work a worthy enough work for which to labor, especially when it seems in vain? Y'all don't know how many Sundays I go home and say, Now, what did I just do? It don't seem like it's working, seems like it's in vain. People that we counsel, they still go out and live lives of hell. People that my wife and I have sat at lunch with, they still ain't, they ain't living for the Lord. But is the worth working? Is the work worth it? Then number three, are God's people worth the headaches and the heartaches? I was, I was just going in there. Paul was let down in a basket. Chapter 11, no resolution. No happily ever after. But shoot, man, I can't just end there. There is a chapter 12. Paul says, uh, had a thorn in my flesh. Prayed about it. God said, my grace is sufficient. For you. He says, for power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, so Paul concluded, whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. When you're going through your hell, when you're doing all you can to live for the Lord, things are still going bad, know that his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. His power 
It's made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, you're strong. As the ushers get ready to prepare the elements, Paul talks about this other Jesus, this other gospel, and we want to make sure that you don't believe in another Jesus. This other Jesus that sometimes even the world would like to portray this southern Tennessee Jesus, blonde hair, blue eyes, laying in a field with petting a little baby lamb. That's not the Jesus that you'll read about in Revelations. The Jesus that you'll read about in Revelations is a king born in the Middle East. And when he's coming back, he's going to come back as a warrior, as a king. And he's going to be looking for a church, the Bible says, without blemish. That's the king and the Jesus, the real Jesus from the Bible. And the other gospel would be one of a lie that we continually hear, even from our kids sometimes. The other gospel is, I got it. You ever hear your kids say that when you're trying to help them with something? I got it. When the truth is, you don't got it. You need Jesus. I need Jesus more right now than I did this morning. I need Jesus more right now than the day I got saved. The real gospel says you don't got it. That's what Paul said. He realized that he had to boast in his weakness, saying, Jesus, I don't have it. And so as we take this time, there is a, a, a warning, a caution from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He kind of talks about why we even do communion. Please let us know. Let any of our ushers know if you don't have communion. But I do want to give you a, a warning. And this is a different one that I don't hear people share sometimes. I'm going to start at verse 20. It says, when you meet together, you are really not interested in the Lord's Supper. Verse 21, for some of you hurry, so we're not in a hurry. We're going to slow down for a minute. To eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. For when he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as I often you drink it. I'm going to get to, to when we actually do it in a second, but I want to read while I'm reading this. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he what? Comes again. How's he coming back? As a king looking for a church without blemish. So anyone who eats this bread, here's the warning, and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some of you have even died. And here he says it one more time. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather together for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring God's judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give instructions about the other matters after I arrive. We're going to take a moment. And if you want to do that as a believer that you would come to the altar and do some business with Jesus. Nobody's going to judge you because we want to be clear that it's not just about those big sins. You know, we got the big sins where always everybody wants to go after pornography and lust and, and homosexuality and a lot of, they kind of attack these things. But man, Paul right here literally even talks about how we treat the poor, that we're greedy as a church. 
as a body of believers that we can be in such a hurry that we'll forget and shame the poor. So maybe that's a caution and a reminder to yourself. Maybe I need to examine myself and how I treat others and how I treat the poor. And then if you're not suffering because of Jesus, maybe you're suffering because you keep making the same mistakes over and over as an unbeliever, not believing that Jesus was born of a virgin, he died for your sins, and he was resurrected on the third day, defeating death once and for all for you. That's a personal thing that you have to take. You can't catch that. It's not hereditary. It's not like a germ that you get from, some, from your neighbor. You have to take that personal for yourself. So before you pay, partake of this, as we get ready, just take a moment. Let's, maybe you do that in your chair. You examine yourself and say, Lord, point out anything in me, the Bible says, that offends you. And would you lead me along the path of everlasting life? So let's just take a moment before we break bread. Father, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, I pray that your spirit, you're the only one who can resurrect. Would you draw them? Would you soften their hearts? Lord, if there's anything in me that offends you, would you highlight it? Help me to treat my wife and my children better. Help me to treat my coworkers better. Help me to treat those who I co-labor with better. I want to honor you in everything that I say and do because I want the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. I want it to be acceptable in your sight. So help us, Lord. Help us as we get ready to partake that we would not condemn ourselves. If there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, would you help them leave forever changed by your gospel? You're the only one that can save. And I thank you for that, that we don't got it. We need your help. I need your grace. And I'm going to boast in your weakness. I am weak, and I need your grace. And I thank you for the power of your gospel, and I'm not ashamed of it. In Jesus' name. So Paul said that Jesus reminded the disciples to do this in remembrance of me. What he was talking about, this, was taking the bread as you take the bread. He literally, for real, for real, broke his body. So that's why we're doing it. So just take a moment to thank him for what he did, that he broke his body as you break it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and the suffering. That took pain but it also took blood. So as we take and drink, remember that Jesus bled for us and let him know you're grateful. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we'll be dismissed, but I just want to encourage you, don't take this and keep this for yourself. Rob shared such a powerful story yesterday about a coworker who literally, he let go, he fired, and that man, instead of retaliating or getting upset, shared the gospel with him, changed his life forever. Man, we have power that we don't have to be ashamed of, so let's take that with us as we leave. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this gospel. Help us not to hide it under a bushel, as the word says. We want to be a light that shines. We want to be a light that shines at Kroger or wherever we go out to eat or our workplace or to a family member that maybe we're at odds with. I pray that you would help us as we leave. Thank you for the power. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Help us to walk with your grace and continually accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and have a great Sunday.